the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. It's great to be with you today. We're together each and every day from 3 to 5. And we talk about the issues of the day, and we look at them from a Christian perspective. There's a lot of issues today. You know, sometimes you get up and you say, you know, when I do the show, we take a look at the news and kind of what's going on. And is there a subject that we need to talk about? Because it's big in the news. Obviously, we spend a lot of time talking about what's going on in Israel. We'll talk about that a little bit later today. And, uh, you know, uh, and then sometimes we take something going on and we say, okay, we're, this is happening and there may not be a lot we can do about it, but what can we learn from it and apply it in our own lives or maybe apply it in our own walk as believers? You know, I had this thought. One of the things that's going on today is that the Republicans in Washington are still unable to uh, pick a speaker. What's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with it is, is the government can't do anything. Now, I think when there's not a war about to happen, uh, it might actually be a great thing that the uh, Congress can't do anything. Uh, We should just keep it that way. Some people are saying this is the best the government's been in a long time. They can't waste a bunch of money. They can't do... uh, But the thing is, is that it is super bad timing. And so uh, what the Republicans are doing, I think, most of all, is uh, writing commercials that the Democrats will use against them next fall in the elections. And, uh, you know, that's true. That's what that's what's happening. At some point, though, they've got to get their act together, but they get divided by the smallest things. I was talking with somebody about this today and just that in the Congress, probably of the big issues that would actually be voted on, most of them. Probably every Republican is going to vote the same on almost all of it. And not being able to move forward uh, blocks their agenda. Now, the roles have been reversed before, and Democrats have their fights. And right now, Democrats have a lot of internal um, problems going on because of the reaction of many on the left to uh, what's going on in Israel. They've got their own problems on that side, and Republicans will use that as commercial fodder, I'm sure, next year, especially things going on in the educational system and elsewhere. But as I thought about it, and I think about those kinds of things for this show, you know, we can talk about that specifically if you want to. Uh, and the number, by the way, is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. But I started just thinking about coming back to the church and wondering how many things do we argue about that make us ineffective? You know, how many things take our eye off the mission? You think about that where we don't have to agree on everything, but on the key things You know, Christians, people who believe that Jesus died and rose again, people who believe that God loved the world, so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. People who believe that if you believe in Christ, you put your trust in Christ, you get saved, and everything that's in this world that is wrong, you get to be on the winning side at the end of it, and, and you will graduate, if you will, you will rise into eternal life. You know, we have this message that solves 
the problems of the world when it's adhered to. What happens that sometimes it, it's difficult for people to hear it? And often it's ourselves, right? Often we stumble over ourselves. In, in Acts 15, you know, the, the church had this, was doing great, really. I mean, lots of people are coming to Christ and hearing the gospel, but there was so much internal tension that eventually they had to have a meeting. And in the meeting, they're like, well, what do we teach? How many things do we pile on? And the conclusion is ultimately, hey, we shouldn't make it that hard for people to come to Christ that there's a lot of things that are important and in doctrine, super important. You've got to have certain things right, and you learn things as you grow, but we cannot throw a whole bunch of things on top. Do we do that? I think we do. I think we do that uh, sometimes. I, I don't think it's all the time. If you're somebody and you're listening and you have maybe left the church, a lot of people listening are people who you felt like at some point you you just needed to not be in in Christian fellowship, or maybe you decided not to be a Christian at all. Maybe you're just struggling for that. There's a lot of listeners who are in that boat. It's usually, almost all the time, not because you have decided that Christ didn't rise from the grave. I mean, there's some of you who have made that, uh, come to that conclusion on your own. But you know, for so many people, and I've been in ministry for 25 years, my dad is in ministry his whole life, so I've grown up in the church, and I have seen the inside of a church, right? And I don't mean like the the building, you've probably seen the inside of a church, but you know how it works. Somebody once said that there's two things you don't want to know. One of them is how they make sausage, and the other one is how a church operates, you know, sometimes on the inside. And the thing is, is it's because we're people, and there are things that get piled on top of it. And in our culture, because we have the freedoms that we have, and because there are things that are connected to our religious freedom, connected to the Constitution, connected to our laws, connected to, you know, what donations are, and taxes, and all of those kinds of things, it puts a lot of extra burden on church people to operate you know, what is essentially a nonprofit corporation, right? There's a lot of things. And then people get kind of bent out of shape about things that aren't really part of it. You know, when thinking about this in the in the Congress, years ago, I was discouraged many, many years ago now, like, like almost 10. And uh, it was a long story. And I was thinking of getting out. And I was thinking of, and by the way, I'm not the pastor of a church now, but I'm still in ministry. I get to be doing ministry all the time. I spoke at a men's retreat last weekend, and I get to do this every day for two hours, and I'm mentoring a couple of people. There's a lot of great pastoring I I get to do without having that job in particular, and it's a great job uh, for many people. Um, so I, I want you to understand that. But I was back then, I was thinking of uh, leaving being a pastor. Uh, all of us are... And I'll tell you what, every pastor goes through that at different times. In fact, one of the most encouraging things I ever heard from another pastor friend was, and this is a pastor friend who, in my mind, is just like wildly successful at everything he does from a ministry standpoint, right? You kind of, we all maybe have people that we look up to and we go, how do you do that? How do you manage that? How are you uh, so gifted? You know, sometimes we just look at them in awe and we say, it's so great that you have that. Sometimes we get jealous of those people. And sometimes you go, how come you just don't seem to have troubles? Man, this pastor shared with me his troubles and his plan to leave what I thought was a perfect ministry as far as those things go and how frustrated he was. And he was going to leave and he was going to move to Montana or something and coach girls softball. There was just some some plan to just be gone. And part of the encouragement was, hey, you know what? Uh, everybody goes through stuff. And you know that with, with whatever you do for a living or whatever you do on a regular basis, if you're a, a dad or a mom or you're a, a coach or you have a, a job somewhere, you know, there's people who you look at and you go, how do you do that? 
But the thing is, is that all of us are dealing with something and we all have our ups and downs. And his story was super encouraging to me at a time when I was discouraged. And he talked about why he's pushing through it. And the Lord has blessed him for that tremendously, as he's blessed me for pushing through it in different ways. Well, one time I was thinking of running for office and I had people who are going to help me, like really good people, fundraiser and a campaign manager who know everybody who are the right people. And, you know, that if you're going to ever do that, it's it's super difficult to win if you don't know anybody, if you don't have those connections. Well, I made a lot of those connections when I was younger. I've maintained them. They're friends and it was going to work out. Well, I went to Washington, D.C. and uh, met with a couple of people and I had the opportunity to sit by myself in the House of Representatives and just sit up uh, in there and pray. And I stayed in there for two hours. The House wasn't meeting. There's nobody in there. A couple of times there'd be a page or, you know, once in a while somebody else was let in there. But generally I was by myself in there. And I was up there for two hours and just praying, God, what do you want me to do? And I left there with the conviction that the most useless place I could ever find myself is in the United States House of Representatives. That with respect to what God wants me to do in ministry, I didn't have any desire really to leave ministry. I just wasn't sure how to do it. And the prayer time was so good because number one, it corrected my thinking that there's some place you can go to, right? That there's some other thing out there where somehow um, that, you know, that that's just not really the issue, that God can use you wherever he's going to use you and he's going to put you there. And the, he reminded me that at that point he'd put me in a church and I had a lot of work to do there. And I did. And some of it was really hard. And I went back recommitted to doing those things. And we accomplished uh, just about every single thing. And it was not easy, but it was something that was good. And, you know, I was blessed for it. But I can tell you that the things that will lead people to discouragement, not just pastors, but maybe you or people with church, is when the church divides or has bitterness over dumb things. And it doesn't have to be a church. It can be your company, right? The thing that often destroys companies is internal squabbles about stupid things, you know, or just people not getting along for reasons that don't matter. And what happens is, is when that happens, you lose the mission. You lose the entire point of it. You'll lose, you know, why are we here? That's what's happened, I think, in our government. Why does our government, how is it supposed to function? And we're seeing that with our universities. We're seeing that with the the conflict that's happening in how people are receiving what's happening in in uh, Israel and being unable to make a moral determination. And we're seeing it in education where our educational numbers are bad. And then what we do is we lower the standards so that they look better, but people aren't really educated better. We have forgotten that the purpose of education is not graduation, it's education. And you can have anybody graduate. You can graduate everybody for nothing. Everybody can fail and still graduate if you want to, but that doesn't make them educated. We've forgotten how important it is for education, not just for people's lives and their eventual livelihood, but also for our entire society. An educated people gets along better. An educated people knows where they're going. An educated people votes better. An educated people uh, can do a whole lot more together. And it's easier than to remember why we're here. Why are we America? Why is it that we have whatever role we're going to play in this uh, conflict in Israel? Why do we have that role? And why does the world look to us to have that role? 
there's a reason for that. Have we forgotten that? Seems like we have, at least in our uh, institutional life, in many ways we have. And then, you know, in the church, have we forgotten what our role is? Here's a question I ask us a lot is, is the community where your church is, the neighborhood where your church building fits? And I want to be careful. It's hard because we, we use the word church um, when what we mean is a building and an address somewhere, but that's not biblically what church is. Church is the people, right? You might gather in a particular building or address somewhere, but the church is the people who live in that community, okay? Would your community miss your gathering, your congregation, if you left? Or would it even notice? It's a it's a significant question. You know, the people who live, if you live next to a church, if you're like bordering right up to a, a church, I think it lowers your property value a bit. You know, is that, is it worth it to have your property value go down, even if you're not somebody who's a Christian, because that church is doing good things in the community? Those are great questions to ask and to get back on, on mission. Not to criticize people, but to say, hey, Let's think about the neighbors here, and what can I do to help? Anyway, this is the Pastor Scott Show, by the way. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It reminded me, just as I'm thinking of this, and I'm thinking of the, the back and forth in, in Washington, and what a terrible mistake it is if we think that you know somehow in the House or somehow in this presidential election, we're going to solve all of our nation's problems that the problems of the world are so much bigger than that, but actually that the problems we have are have a much greater chance of being saved uh, if we love the people that God has put in our life, community by community. It's amazing how historically that has worked. That's the answer for the Middle East, too. It probably doesn't happen for most people until Jesus's feet touch the ground and every knee will bow. We know that that's coming, but that does solve the issue. And until then, lots of people, even in this conflict, what's going on in the grief and in the evil that we're going to see and just the terrible destruction that we're seeing, there are people who are going to come to Christ. Division when it's in the church, and it's the same as your business or even in a country, it causes us to turn inward and gets us off mission. I've always thought it's interesting. In the book of Romans, great book. You know, some might call it the most important book of the New Testament. You know, people always have, you know, pastors, we tend to think whatever book we're preaching from is the most important book. But uh, then we change our mind the next time. But an interesting thing happens in that book. At the end of it, Paul is thanking people and he's saying, make sure to greet these people. And he's writing, it's a letter, right, that you write to other people. And he's saying, you know, greet Rufus chosen in the Lord and greet his mother. He's been a mother. She's been a mother to me too. And, you know, great statements. And usually that's kind of the winding down of the book. And then it'll say grace and peace to you, amen, or something. And that's it. Well, at the end of Romans, he does all of that, and you think he's going to sign off. Now, they don't have word processing back then, right? You can't just go back and insert something that you wanted to say later. So you put it at the bottom. You just keep going. All of a sudden, he takes a break from his list in Romans 16 to address divisiveness in the church. And no one's really sure why at that moment suddenly he did that, you know. But, you know, almost every book in the New Testament addresses people who cause division, Um Titus warned a divisive person once and then warned them a second time after that of nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and they are self-condemned. Thessalonians, Jude, Corinthians, Timothy, the warnings happen over and over and over again. Third John, they name a guy, uh, probably his name, Diotrephes. You know, that guy commandeered the whole church with his divisive behavior. You know, there's, there's people. So why is the warning here? 
It's there because we get off mission, and the mission is so important. And he writes this. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. And I think you have to be very careful here because when you think about this, you might think to yourself, you know, uh, I'm right, though, and uh, the leadership's wrong or the pastor's wrong, or maybe you're in the leadership, but you're not listening to people you ought to listen to. Uh, or you're not listening to the Lord, you're not in the Word, you're not praying, you know, whatever it might be. Um, Here's something that's important for us to remember in the church all the time. The Word of God will always be challenged from the outside. Christianity is always going to be challenged from the outside. It always has been challenged from the outside. And the interesting thing, and the reason for that is because the gospel is offensive. It goes against the spiritual or philosophical thinking of every single other religion and every single other philosophy that says that the way to salvation is through good works, that the way to salvation is the way, you know, is to do good things or the way to whatever is good, whatever you're spo- however you're supposed to live is by doing things that are good, where the gospel says you can't be good enough. Nobody's good and uh, you need a savior. You need someone to die on your behalf and be good for you. And we have that as Jesus. That offends a lot of people. Um, but here's the thing is the attacks from the outside world Attacks from the outside world um, can't stop the church. In fact, attacks from the outside world, whenever your church is getting attacked by some outside group, you know, if uh, you feel like your church is being persecuted by some group or you got some room, it actually unifies the church, oddly enough. Uh, I think it's because it makes whatever our internal problems are so small when you're getting attacked from the outside. And, uh, you know, we see that historically around the world. Communism strengthened the church. In China today, the church is growing quickly. You know, it is, you know, ISIS tried to destroy the history of the church, and it didn't work. But whenever the Word of God is challenged from within, trouble comes. You know, in history, it's inside the church. And there's been some of that. The deity of Christ was denied. The conversion of people was denied. Biblical inerrancy has been denied. The Holy Spirit as a deity and person of the Trinity has been denied. Grace has been denied. Faith alone has been denied. Biblical morality is denied. Even today, we're dealing with that. Not just the sexual immorality, for example, in Romans 1, but also gossip and slander and other immoral behavior that's also listed in Romans 1, by the way, is sometimes being denied is that that's sinful. See, the biggest denial is being hypocritical in behavior, when Christians are the gossips and the backbinders, backbiters and the fault finders, such as the book of Jude warned us about. And these are hard because Christians always think they're doing the right thing for those things, you know. How do you tell? You ever go to a Bible study or a small group where uh, somebody says, we need to pray for so-and-so. We need to pray for Phil. Uh, Phil's a pig. Let me tell you why. And they just give you this whole list of things why Phil's a pig. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that about Phil. I thought Phil was kind of a nice guy. No, he's a pig, and that's we need to pray for him. Well, the thing is, maybe Phil's not a pig. And that person just got in a fight with Phil and doesn't like Phil anymore and now has slandered him in his prayers. Or maybe Phil is a pig, but really it's not your business. <laughs> you know, it's we have to be very, very careful. And when Paul's writing this about division, he's not talking about non-Christians. He's talking to people who claim to be Christians. That is a something to listen to. And I think about those things when I see this division in the House of Representatives and how it stops our government. It might be a good thing, like I said, that the government stopped, but really right now it's not. It's not a good thing that we have a government distracted by a great many things when we have sent two aircraft carrier and battle groups into Uh, a region that is potentially going to explode into a lot of war. We have got to push the pettiness aside as a nation. You know, and I want to 
I want us to think about that and wherever we are is that our church, our pastors, our leaders, at the end of the day, we're all there because we want people to know the saving grace of Christ. That's why we exist. Your church, whenever it was planted, that's why it was there. It was there to show that neighborhood the love of Christ, to get to know people, to serve people, to love people, to care about those people. Uh, It matters. And obstacles that happen when we argue about petty things, the way the church operates or the the carpet or the communion type, or, you know, there's somebody, communion or Lord's Supper, Eucharist, whatever you call it. There's one group I was talking to and trying to help them because they were fighting about whether or not to use juicy juice or Welch's for the grape juice for the communion. And it was a big fight. And they fought about, you know, how many times a month do you do it? Do you do it every week? Do you do it once a month? Do you do it once a quarter? And uh, they, it was brutal. And they were getting nothing done as far as the mission of Christ was concerned. Finally, the pastor called me and he said, I've solved it. And I said, you did? He said, yeah, we've decided not to do it at all. We're just not going to have communion or Lord's Supper. We're just not going to do it. And I said, well, that's the wrong answer there. But that's how brutal it was, right? So my friends, as you think about this division and, uh, you know, whoever you want to blame for it in the politics of it, um, you know, that's a thing. We need to pray about that. It needs to be done. But let's not have that kind of division in our church. You know, Jude calls a lot of divisive people grumblers, you know, uh, they're doing what they're doing, not because of what is best for the body, but what is ultimately best for themselves, like their own appetites. And they don't really think so. We all can do that, by the way, even though pastors can do that. But we got to pray against it. It's something that we have to be focused because I think the time coming, we're in a, we are in a time that is showing our decay as a society pretty significantly. And the that's really bad news for our society, but it's actually super good news for the church and that we can focus because we really do have somebody who calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. And when you have that, when you have a society that is looking for the truth and they can't find it in education, they can't find it in the government, they can't find it in wealth, they can't find it in you know uh, satisfaction even of their work or in sex or wherever you look for it, the place they're going to find it is in Jesus Christ. And wherever you're at with your heart, you know, when you think about these things, focus on those things and don't get bent out of shape about things that that don't matter. Otherwise, you're going to look like the house and have a bunch of internal squabbling while there is a war right outside the walls that is far more important to address. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. One of the things going on in the war today is a hospital was blown up and there is a fight about who did it. We'll talk about that in just a moment. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me at Pastor Scott Show. Just look for uh, just look for Pastor Scott Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch me right now on KKLA.com and our live stream. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. And Jake, what those images add up to is a mass casualty event that could change the international uh, opinion of what Israel is doing right now. It could shift international opinion against them. It's already uh, shifted that uh, opinion in the Arab world against Israel. Uh, that is a... Uh, 
A report on CNN about a missile strike that hit a hospital today in uh, the Middle East. And uh, something I want to point out, that that, uh, was CNN talking about how suddenly the Arab world might be against Israel. It's not changing their opinion, whatever happened there. But there is a something that I think we all have to be aware of is that we're going to have loads of misinformation and false reporting. That happens in any news about anything, anything that's current and going on, you know, it can be small things. We see that in, you know, police chases here in LA, a daily occurrence. Sometimes whatever the story is, is not quite right. We learn about it later, right? And in a big news story, it can be like a terrorist attack or wars or things. It's called the fog of war, right? You, you don't always know right away. But there is an eagerness here, I think, for the sides and the tension to blame each other quickly. And I want us to realize that and be patient as we try to figure out what might be true about things. The right. uh, So what happened is, is a rocket hit a supposedly a hospital in Gaza and killed a lot of people. There's different reporting, but hundreds of people likely killed in that hospital. And there are lots of uh, different reports about that. But what's interesting is the way our media handled it. And if you went to the New York Times uh, about two hours ago when that happened, the first thing it said is, this is the headline, Israeli airstrike on Gaza hospital kills more than 500, Palestinian officials say. Um, That's what they said. They believed the story that they were told that this was a Israeli airstrike on Gaza, and they got that from uh, their Palestinian people, probably uh, the AP guys who uh, live there. And uh, did that. Washington Post wasn't any different. Israel-Hamas war. Israeli airstrike hits Gaza hospital, killing 500 Palestinian health ministry says. Same thing. Now, the interesting thing is if you go to both of their websites now, that headline has changed. It says hundreds dead in blast at Gaza hospital, Palestinians say. That's the New York Times. Washington Post, exactly the same thing. Hundreds killed in strike on Gaza hospital, Palestinian officials say. The point here is that jumping to conclusions, and especially if it's a conclusion that you want, which if I editorialize here a little bit, the newspapers want this conflict. And I don't think they're on the side of Israel at all, uh, those two particular newspapers. They seemed very gleeful in the idea that maybe uh, Israel bombed the hospital. Now, maybe Israel did. So now what's happening is there's a back and forth uh, of both sides saying, no, the other side did it. So the Palestinians, or Hamas, I should say, is saying that Israel bombed the hospital, you know, in order to kill civilians and kids. That's what they're going to say. And they're going to show the pictures, and the pictures are going to be gruesome about whatever happened there. But Israel is saying, actually, we weren't doing any missions in that part of town, and it's a... Um, it is a missile that Hamas fired that misfired and landed on the hospital. And Israel put out some videos about that where you, you see this missile kind of going up and then coming right down. There's another video. Lots of people are putting out videos. And you got to be careful with those, too, because one of the videos that somebody's been putting out saying this is the video of the, the missile landing, that if you look closely, the date on it is sometime in 2022. Right. So obviously it's not this. There is going to be so many things said, sometimes deliberately to misinform and other times just because that's what happens. Um, for us, Pastor Scott Show audience, you know, for everybody who listens here, it's it's super important that we just be careful with those things. Um, because what's most important is our relationship with 
the people that God has placed in our life and how we talk about these things. And there's some important issues here. You know, things that are trending on Twitter the last few days are things like New Testament, Book of Revelation, uh, Christian nationalism is on there right now. Uh, and, you know, so there's conversation about Christianity. There's conversation going on in the world about the New Testament, about what this means for Revelation. You know, in the book of Revelation, is it related? Those kinds of things. Our, our most important thing is to be accurate as much as we can because we want credibility when you have the gospel conversations. And as much as you might believe one side or the other, and that's fine, I've got my opinions and, and people do, there's going to be atrocities and horrible things uh, that are going to come through here. You know, I watched a video today of a Palestinian kid who was probably 10 or 11, and he's crying because he says his friend got shot, and then there was a bomb explosion, and he wasn't sure if his friend got killed in it or not. And this kid, it hit me, there's a million of those videos out, it hit me because this kid, his mannerisms and the way he kind of looks, looks like my one of my sons. And the way he speaks and his the way his face looked when he's crying uh, is, looks like the way my son's face looks when he's crying, right? So I'm watching this thinking about my kids and their safety, but also knowing that, you know, some of what he was saying is, is not necessarily accurate. You know, he says, uh, Israel shot my friend. Well, I don't, I don't know if Israel shot your friend. Maybe Israel did. Maybe, uh, maybe somebody else did. There's, you know, there's all kinds of things that go on here. But we're going to see some terrible, terrible things and people blaming each other and stuff. And there is opportunity here in this to be comforting uh, to those who are suffering loss, whatever that is, but also important to, in our compassion, to be truthful. And sometimes truthful is, is you don't know who's right and you don't know who's telling the truth. And that is, that's an acceptable answer. Sometimes when I speak places, and I'll do this on the show, you know, I'll put something out and go, what would Jesus do in this circumstance? And uh, the the trick question for me is, well, what Jesus would do is, I don't know. I don't know what he would actually do, right? Because it's an interesting thing to talk about, but sometimes we don't actually know what Jesus would do. Jesus might have a completely different take on how to deal with things. Jesus was amazing with that when you read about him in the New Testament. We have to be careful, but whatever Jesus would do, it would be truthful, and sometimes it's a truthful answer to say, I don't know, if we don't know. I don't know if you realize that, but even with questions about our faith or questions about, um, you know, world events, you know, what's true about this? What What's happening here? You know, maybe you have a serious question somebody's asking you about the Bible or about doctrine or theology or something. You know what? If If the truth is you don't know, that's a much better answer than trying to fake it. Um. 888-528-2557 is the phone number. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Let's go to uh, Ted in Los Angeles. Ted, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Ted, City of the Angels, Pastor Scott, how's your day going? Well, my day is all right, Ted. How are you? Blessed. Uh, I, I, I mean, isn't my imagination, but stateside, I mean, I just, uh, to see the hardening of the hearts and the lack of empathy of what happened to all these children, the Jewish children, and uh, the raping of the women, and the and uh, uh, worldwide people that have been taken hostage, and the people on stateside, uh, they they act like it's it's a, a movie or something like like they have no real sense of reality 
of what has happened. And I know that to be true. All that video that happened, uh, you know, we we can all speculate what's truth and what's fake at this point uh, because it is war. But we know the initial attack um, was horrific. I mean, it's just. Uh, I mean, help me on this. I mean, uh, it, are we seeing the hardening of people's hearts? And this is exactly what Jesus talked about. Well, I think I I agree with you, Ted, that when people try to justify what initially happened and when we take a look at this and uh, it's pretty shocking. You know, there was a video yesterday of at New York University, NYU, Um, Some posters were put up or pictures put up of people who were taken hostage, uh, Israeli hostages, and they were put up on the wall, you know, where people trying to reach them, right? There's some kind of wall. I don't know if it was like memorial or pray for these people or whatever it was. I couldn't really see that. But the video is a couple of other people tearing them down and and destroying them and sort of gleefully doing that. And you, you go, you know, whatever the case is with the politics and other stuff, there are people who are being tortured to death, people who have been brutalized, and to be in favor of that um, is – it's not just something that I think people are. I think, Ted, the thing is that is as this grows and as we think about this, it's not surprising to me in a way, but it's something we have to realize is that this, is, this has been taught – this isn't a bunch of random kids who suddenly um, pop up because they don't like Jews or they hate Israel or whatever. This is there has been doctrines taught and beliefs taught that uh, are not true. You know, there there are things that are you know debatable, but some things are not debatable. History is not debatable. People who have lived on that land is not debatable. The the history of Palestine, what is a Palestinian, you know, and uh, where does that term come from? And those kinds of things, they're, they're actually very uh, historically um, easy to derive. And when you see people who come up with things that are simply not true, and, you know, I heard one person talking about how there used to be, until Israel came about in 1948, it was a Palestinian state, and we need to go back to the Palestinian government, and we need to go back to this and that. Well, there's never been a Palestinian state. There was never a Palestinian government, and the Jews themselves were Palestinians before 1948. That's what blows, I think, a lot of people's minds, is that in the area of the region of Palestine, uh, everybody who lived there, there were Jews and Arabs, and they were all Palestinians, there's not Jews and Arabs and Palestinians. There's just Jews and Arabs who were all Palestinians. And if you don't realize that, then, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that um, you got to ask yourself, why was I taught something different? Uh, Ted, I got to let you go. I got to go to a break, but thank you for, for bringing that up. I think it's important for us to study, and I'm doing that, and I'm going to try to, on our program, share certain things that I think will help us at least stay rooted in what we can actually understand to be true. But I want to ask you just to be, as you think about this, it has more to do with your relationship with the people in your life that you're going to have water cooler conversations with about this. You know, how do you deal with that? How do you remain truthful and compassionate, but firm morally? And I think if you can do that, you're going to be in a position where 
you're still able to minister to people. Uh, but you might find yourself in a situation where you're completely divided, and that unfortunately is a place where we're at. But I don't think we should give up on uh, seeking the truth. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. What we can say is the following. Number one, Israel does not target places like hospitals. They're not a target for us, and we wouldn't have deliberately hit a hospital. Number two, uh, we know that at the time of, the, uh, of this uh, tragedy, that Hamas was firing a barrage of rockets at Tel Aviv uh, uh, and the center of the country. I myself uh, went to the bomb shelter here at the, uh, because uh, we were under attack. Now, in the past, there has been a pattern of behavior that we've seen that uh, uh, up to a third of rockets fired from Gaza fall inside the Gaza Strip because they malfunction. Now, it is possible... Once again, we don't know the facts, and that's why people should be very careful here. But it is possible uh, that this was one of those rockets that malfunctioned. That is a representative from Israel's government talking about uh, what might have happened as uh, a missile hit a uh, uh, hospital. And there's back and forth now about who fired it off. Israel is saying we didn't do it. Gaza is saying uh, Hamas is saying that, uh, yes, you did. And then... uh, Israel is saying, we think that you're one of your missiles missed because about 30 or 40 percent of them don't actually make it to their target. I got to think about that, right? It seems like uh, some people would not be very good at making missiles. Uh, and they're just going all over the place kind of indiscriminately. I was listening to someone tell her story the other day about being in Israel during the Gulf War in 1991. Remember that that war? It was the United States uh, when we uh, evicted Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait and pushed you know, so Iraq and Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and uh, we uninvaded them and we pushed them back and we did that relatively quickly got them out of Kuwait and uh, did all of that a weird thing that was happening in that war was Saddam Hussein if you remember that guy uh, he was firing missiles indiscriminately into Israel like Israel had nothing to do with that war but uh, Saddam was trying to draw them into it And by doing so, he thought he might draw in other Arab states and create a much greater conflict. And it didn't work, thankfully. And one of the things that Israel did right at that time is they they refrained from uh, firing back. And they let the Americans and the allies that were there, uh, there were many countries involved in that, um, do all the firing back. there is such a tripwire going on over there that uh, – and that's something that we need to pray about right now as we think about what's happening in the Middle East is the UN is saying we're headed towards the abyss and all of that um, because there is so much hatred. There is so much history. It really does go back uh, into 5,000-year-old uh, issues you know, and who did God give the land to and all of that. That's what's buried in all of it. That's what is wrong with a lot of our politics. Uh, and, you know, every president, by the way, tries to solve the Middle East crisis in the third year of their presidency. I said that, you know, earlier in this year. I said, look for Biden to be doing something in the Middle East. Uh, I didn't think he'd be doing what he's doing now. He's going out there tomorrow. 
Would you go out there right now if you're president? Are you in the way or are you uh, or is it good? It could be good. It could be a really good thing or it could be a really disastrous thing. So we'll see what happens with all of that. But, uh, you know, once again, there's going to be a lot of back and forth. In the next hour, we'll talk some about um, being very clear, having some clarity about what kinds of things are true, and especially in the area of evil. You know, I think that a lot of the – this is a Pastor Scott show, by the way. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, the existence of evil uh, we're seeing, and there's a lot of people who have trouble with the existence of evil. And it's – I think that becomes apparent here. And part of the reason that you have trouble with it is if there is true evil, then you've got to ask, is there good and what is the solution to evil? I think that leads you to Christ. And you know, if, if this conversation, you know, I'm going to try to have some conversation about other stuff. You know, this is so heavy on the news um, right now. But if this conversation worries you, don't be worried. You know, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus himself, there's going to be wars and there's rumors of wars. And he's talking to Israel at the time, right? He's saying that, you know, this is going to happen. None of this should be surprising. The hate that we see shouldn't be surprising. The barbarism that we're seeing shouldn't be surprising. It's not something that you you look at, you know, with any sort of glee, but you should look at it soberly to say, this is the world that we are in, where evil things happen. You know, the reason we need a savior is because of the evil that is there, whether it be global events like this or just the evil that we see in our own streets, sometimes in our own homes, sometimes the evil we do, even if we're by ourselves. You know, it is it is the reality of the world spiritually, but God has not left us alone. God has given us a Savior and a way forward, a path through Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Is your hope registered with him? You know, can you look at the circumstances that are in your life, whatever they are, and say, you know what, I'm dealing with some stuff, and I'm struggling with some stuff, but lo, I have Jesus. I don't know if you say that word, lo, but it just seemed to fit at that moment. I don't know why I said that, but uh, it just seems like it fits, I think, in that time. So be in prayer. This is one of the reasons you pray for the president and pray for President Biden and his trip over there. Uh, You don't want something to happen to the president on an overseas trip in the middle of a war zone, any president. That would be it would be almost impossible not to respond with major war uh, if something terrible were to happen like that. Um, Pray for wisdom for everybody who is um, involved there. And we have this goal as Christians, and I'm just going to emphasize this again, to offer hope, to be the ones who have something that is true. Not because we're smarter than anybody else, but we're just the, the beggars who have figured out where the food is where we have figured out, you know what, there is light, there is uh, truth that is real in a world that is being taught that there is no such thing as truth. You know, when you, when you have a world where it's, everything is declining like it is now, and you have university systems that are a mess, and you, it's because if you reject the truth, if you reject that there is truth, you reject that there's God, you're going to have a, a mess you're going to have something that just can't work. And in your own life, you know, if you're kind of dealing with that, think through what it means if there's no God. Um, And then think through what it means if there's a God who loves you and he wants to be with you. He does. That's the ultimate part of the plan of God is that he wants to be with you. 
that when you see people talking about the return of Christ and what that's going to mean, it's all part of God's plan to be with his people, the creator of the universe, to be with us. That when you think about what does God want from you, he wants your trust. He wants you to trust him for your life and trust him for the plan for this world. But another thing that he wants from you is your presence. He wants to be with you. That's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing that he wants to be with you, that God is our refuge and strength. You know what's a great word in that psalm there, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, is it doesn't say God is my refuge and strength. He is, but the word there is our. It's plural. It is not just one person's individual refuge and strength, but he is our refuge and strength. Together, God wants to be with us, also plural. If I can help you, you know, with these things, get back into church if you're not in church yet. It's a lot of more people are going back to church after the COVID. That's been somewhat encouraging, those numbers. Be with other believers. You know, there's going to be a time of uh, where all that needs to be, you know, in your life worked out. What I want to encourage you to is to think about the things in your life. How's your relationship with your kids? How's your relationship with your spouse? How is your relationship with other people? And, you know, if you are thinking about this in your marriage, I want to encourage you to go to the Resist the Drift conference. It's in Anaheim on November 3rd and 4th. It's Focus on the Family and Salem putting that together. And it is at Calvary Chapel, East Anaheim, uh, in Anaheim, California, obviously. And I want to encourage you to go to that wherever you are in your marriage to strengthen things up. You know, in the world today where things kind of fall apart and things are difficult, you know, one of the things you need the most is your marriage. I'll tell you what, when I went through uh, some hard times in uh, in ministry or professionally or other other places, that's when your marriage gets tested, right? Uh, right in the middle of it. I was grateful that our marriage was strong. We got stronger through it, but a lot of the times we don't. And the reason we it doesn't work out like we think is because we think we're strong, but actually we've drifted apart. And Resist the Drift is about that. It's a two-day marriage conference. Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley will be sharing their story, and they are great at it, and how they moved from roommates to soulmates. I think that is something very positive. Wherever you're at in your marriage, or if you know somebody, you want to tell them about it, send them to kkla.com. Click on the Resist the Drift uh, banner, and uh, you can get tickets right there. It's November 3rd and 4th at Calvary Chapel, East Anaheim. Go there right now, kkla.com. Click the Resist the Drift banner and uh, get set up for that. It's Friday night, Saturday morning. I'll be there. At least Friday night I'll be there. I'm not sure if I'll be there Saturday or not, but I'd love to meet you if I get to see you there. So go to kkla.com. When we come back, Pastor Michael Yearly will be with us from the church at Rocky Peak, and uh, you can follow me at Pastor Scott Show on your favorite Social media at Pastor Scott Show. You can watch us right now at KKLA.com. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.